When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. So this is a big series. If you follow the script of how the Mets have played this year, they win when you don't expect them to. They lose when you don't expect them to. This would be one of the series that they go out there and somehow win two out of three. You know, because look at a team also like the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, the Mets have lost three in a row. Phillies have won three in a row. Philadelphia is going to be playing better baseball. So that's another team the Mets are going to have to contend with. This is not going to be easy, but they have the talent in that locker room to go out there and actually get things done. Now you got to go out there and prove it. And it starts tonight in Atlanta. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Yanks in a one nothing hole against the White Sox in the fourth at the stadium. And perfect opportunity to talk some baseball in depth with our next guest. He is, of course, an outstanding analyst for the Texas Rangers, who, of course, are in the news today with the Jacob DeGrom, Tommy John News. He's also a member of MLB Network Radio, St. John's grad, the whole nine yards, and I guess can maybe provide a little bit of context into the weather delays down in Atlanta because he is a Georgia resident as well. It's our good pal C.J. Nitkowski. What is the weather like tonight down there? Yeah, it's interesting. I was surprised, actually, to see that there was a delay. There's, there's been some scattered, like, really heavy thunderstorms, and we got hit. I'm, I'm probably 30 minutes north of the stadium, maybe 40 minutes north. Um, and we got hit last night, like 5 o'clock in the morning. It was wild. It dumped on hail, went away. It was hot today. And I was out, and my wife texted me, and she's like, it's pouring here again and more hail. And there was nothing where I was. And so I was like, oh, it's really small and isolated, but apparently it's made its way uh, to Truist Park. So it shouldn't be bad. I mean, the sun is out here where I'm at right now. It's been out for the last probably hour and a half. So whatever went through there, I'm guessing, was probably the same thing that was here, and it should be pretty small, and I would assume – get through pretty quickly it just was a lot of rain and like i mentioned some hail so it, it dumped a bunch but it wasn't that uh, wasn't very long so I, I can't imagine um they'll be delayed too long there so there you go you get the update straight from the mouth of meteorologist cj nitkowski that's huh. the service we aim to provide on this show of course as always um well first let's get down to business here and you know the rangers well of course being a part of that broadcast team and look by all accounts they're having a fantastic season probably a lot better than anybody would have envisioned yet Jacob DeGrom is somebody who has really not played a big hand in it. Now you find out about the Tommy John surgery. Um, as far as, you know, Jacob is concerned, and you pitched, you know exactly what this entails. He's had the Tommy John once already. What do you think this means as far as the chances of seeing peak DeGrom again some point in his career? Uh, I mean, listen, it's, it's always possible. I know he's getting older, and, and I, there's the mileage there from the injuries, right? He's going to be 35 years old. Uh, realistically, I know he's already said that he's, he's, the goal is to be able to pitch by the end of next year. I guess it depends on which surgery he has. If he has that internal brace surgery, that has been 12 months. And there's been a couple of guys that have gone through, including a couple of pitchers here with the Rangers that were back within you know, 12, 13 months. So if it's that level of the Tommy John surgery, you know, maybe we see him at the end of next year. If it's a full Tommy John surgery, uh, that's a bit more of a challenge. And now you're talking about trying to get him back in a season in which he'll turn 37 years old. Um, you know, peak to ground, I don't know. But, I mean, you 
solve the emotion today, and he's going to do everything he can to get back. At what level? I, I guess we never know, but he's been through it before. He's kind of stacked it up before. Multiple Tommy John surgeries are a thing that we've seen pitchers successfully recover from, and so that's going to be the hope. It's just going to be a while before we get a real feel for what he's like after the second one. And, and you know something? It was obvious that the Rangers were going to have to maybe overpay a little bit to be able to acquire a pitcher of his services because of the injuries the last couple of years. And there were a lot of teams that shied away, including his former team, the Mets, who didn't want to necessarily hit that price because he hasn't been somebody that's available the previous couple of seasons. Do you think that it's too early to sit here and say, if you're Texas, you know, buyer's remorse setting in, or were they fully prepared? You think that, okay, this might've been one of the eventualities. Yeah, it's probably too early to say. I think it depends on what things look like on the back end. I think the reality of him signing that deal is that you knew he was going to miss time, right? I mean, that was going to happen. He was going to miss um, likely some time over the life of this deal. I, I do believe that the Rangers have built some of that into this, you know, this contract, and then they go the five years plus. There's the option year, and the option year is is really interesting, right? The way that it works because it has a lot to do with whether or not he was going to be healthy whether or not he was going to have Tommy John surgery. So now it does completely become a team option uh, because he has had Tommy John surgery at a much lower number. Um, take that for what it's worth, right? That's still a few years down the road. But from that standpoint, they did have a little bit of protection uh, built in just in case this did happen. So we will see. But remember this, too. You know, for the Texas Rangers, their main target, if you go back to last offseason, the first name we heard was Carlos Rodon. Right before we even got to kind of that full off season, this was the guy that this was the focus. This was the guy they were going to go the hardest after, and it didn't happen. Now Carlos Rodon hopefully will be back at some point, but we haven't seen him pitch either. And so, uh, no guarantees in this game, as, as we well know. Um, but the first target uh, hasn't pitched yet this year. Uh, the next one obviously has had um, now what we know is Tommy John surgery. But they built the depth in. You know, they just kept going and going this past off season with pitching, and that's uh, a good thing that they did. The offense was not half bad, of course, last year. You know, they spent a lot of money the previous offseason to get Simeon and Seager, you know, a half a billion dollars to bring in those two guys. And now they're starting to play like the folks that we know that they've been earlier in their careers. You know, one guy, an MVP caliber player, the other guy, a World Series MVP, League Championship Series MVP, all-star many times over. Then they bring in the pitching reinforcements this year. They bring in a Hall of Fame manager in Bruce Bochy out of retirement. Is, is there one thing that you point to that you think is the most directly responsible for the turnaround and the success they're having this year? Probably the depth. It's hard, it is hard to pin it down to one thing, um, but you're right. You know, and real quick on Simeon and Seeger, they both spoke about, you know, they're coming in, monster contracts for both of them last year. We have a shortened spring training because of the CBA. They're relatively quiet guys, you know, need a little time to kind of get to know everybody, and that whole process was rushed, and they got off to slow starts, and I think that was probably a legitimate reason why that had happened. This spring training was completely different, um, much longer. They already knew what to expect, and we saw kind of the fruits of that to start the season. So that's one thing that's helped. But the depth is probably what has been uh, the biggest one here. Jonah Heim, Robbie Grossman, Leody Tavares, jo Josh Young, and, you know, Dolis Garcia was already there, and so was Lowe. But those guys, that first few that I mentioned, um, have taken a big step forward. Ezekiel Duran. Um, another one, the production they're getting out of Travis Jankowski. Like offensively, uh, it's been kind of incredible to see what they have done. And most people probably don't know this or remember this, but two years ago, the Rangers were in a spot where they traded for Mitch Garver and they had to make a decision between Jose Trevino and Jonah Heim. 
And obviously mm. they picked Jonah Heim and Jose goes to the Yankees and he wins a platinum glove. And everybody's happy for him because he's such a tremendous guy. But they believe that Jonah was going to be the better hitter. And if you look at what Jonah Heim is doing right now, they nailed that. And Jonah's a very good defensive catcher as well. I mean, Jose's one of the best, but he's right there with it when it comes to framing and, and all those numbers. And they made the right call there. And it's not a knock on Jose. It's just that Jonah Heim has been um, incredible offensively. The thing that's probably unsustainable are these ridiculous runners in scoring position numbers. Jonah Heim's hitting 500 with runners in scoring position. That's an absurd number that's not going to be able to hold. Uh, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon are well over 400 with runners in scoring position. I think your league leader last year hit like 330 with runners in scoring position. So they've just been absolutely killing it in the opportunities that they have gotten. Um, but I would say depth of lineup has is, is probably been the biggest surprise, and that's why you're seeing eight times this year position players pitching against them. There's been 11 teams that haven't had a position player pitch against them once this year. C.J. Nikowski joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, let's talk about the Yanks here. Um, now, the Aaron Judge situation, I was talking about a little while ago. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's anything debilitating, but it is a little murky that 72 hours since that game ended on Saturday, we're, we're hearing Aaron Boone say today that the doctor's here and he's still going over the, the x-rays and the this and that. I mean, you got to have an idea that they probably <laughs> have some sort of a knowledge of what's going on with that toe. But I, I guess the question I have for you is, remember, even if it is something that's going to be problematic, even though he can play through it, let's say the balance of this season, DJ LeMahieu last year was dealing with a bum toe, and it zapped him of really any sort of pop that he had at the plate. So I wonder if this is something that could potentially put a crimp into the Aaron Judge-type production that we're kind of expecting to see on a regular basis. Yeah, it would be really concerning, and I think that's a possibility. It is, you know, It's been, like you said, a couple of days here already, and kind of seeing the way that whole thing went down out in Los Angeles and that, you know, that whatever that is, six to eight inches of cement that he ends up going into plus the fence on top of it, you could see where that would have done some significant damage. And so, yeah, they got to make sure that he's completely healthy. They got to make sure that you, know, you can push off of that toe and you're comfortable in the box and they're comfortable running. Is it going to constantly be something that is painful or irritating? You can't have that. Right. So uh, I'm with you on that one. And we saw what happened that when the New York Yankees were visiting uh, the Texas Rangers and Aaron Judge ended up leaving, I want to say, after game one of that four-game series, and there was no stand. Like it, That lineup, as uh, Yankee fans well know, doesn't even remotely close to look to the same. There's nothing intimidating about it uh, without Aaron Judge and Stanton in there at the same time. And so uh, missing one of those guys always hurts, but missing both of them was really bad. You got the combination of some guys that aren't producing right now. Some are, but some aren't. Um, and no Aaron Judge in there uh, makes it, I don't want to say it's a pitchable lineup, but it's certainly one that doesn't intimidate the way that they've had in the past. Right, you look at this American League East as a whole, every team well, is 500 or better. Um, where do you put the Yankees in the pecking order right now, given, like we talked about, still the injury things that they have to overcome, whatever type of moves they go out and make before the deadline potentially, where do you slot this Yankee team in in that division? Yeah, I mean, they still have the potential, I think, to be a really good team. A third-place team that's, what, 11 games over right now is just more testament to what's going on in the division. And the Tampa Bay Rays are good, and they're going to be tough uh, to try to overtake. I think the other teams in that division certainly have um, some weaknesses that could get exploited. I'm going to give the Orioles credit because they're doing great work and they're holding on. I don't know we expected this to be the case, but they do seem like they're for real. But I think for the Yankees, it's kind of what you alluded to. It's about uh, maybe, first of all, from within – and getting healthy. And I mentioned Carlos Rodon's name, and that certainly would be a name that they would like to have back 
uh, in their rotation or in their rotation, I shouldn't say back, I guess, for the first time. The loss of some of those relievers has been kind of brutal, right? The fact that they have to sit there and work through that, whether, again, whether it's from within or they eventually add. But I do think this is a good team. I just think there's times where you've looked at part of this lineup and it's, you know, it's been somewhat uh, questionable what you're going to do here. I was a big proponent of Anthony Volpe being a starting guy and getting that opportunity. And you basically have two things that he's doing well, right? He's playing great defense and he's giving you some power, um, but he's striking out too much. And these numbers, especially over the last couple of weeks are, are really kind of scary, right? I mean, you look at his last yeah. 16 games going into tonight, he's hitting 143 with a 183 on base. That's really, really low. And that is concerning that the pop is there, the defense is there, but you know, it's a big, it's a big position, and you can afford to do that. And let him bat ninth if everybody else is doing their thing. But when everybody else is not doing their thing, then it starts to really kind of stick out um, here with him. So I, I still think they're going to be a good team. I don't know if they're an intimidating team. I don't know. Certainly not a juggernaut. You know, give me Garrett Cole and that really good version of Carlos Rodon to go with Luis Severino, and, and then I really like him in the postseason. CJ Nikowski, a couple more minutes with him here on 98.7 ESPN. How about we flip over to the Mets? 30 up, 30 down. You know, to me, I look at the Mets. They're the epitome of average. They really are. You know, it's like one step forward, two steps back. You know, $400 million plus payroll when you add up all the taxes and everything there, too. Normally, you'd say the answers are in that clubhouse. But why do you think it hasn't worked thus far? Yeah, I mean, Justin Verlander, obviously not being exactly who you wanted him uh, to be and being older, perhaps Father Time has it's finally caught up a little bit. I mean, good at times, but not nearly as dominant, especially over his last couple of starts that you would hope for. You kind of live with the up and down of, of Kodai Senga. Um, you know, overall fine, but the walks are, are going to drive you crazy and the amount of pitches that he throws. And then, yeah, you pretty much have to give him five days in between to get the most out of him. So that means you either need to have another starter or have a bullpen day. Um, in there if you want to maximize that right all that talk about what the rotation was supposed to be is has been disappointing I, I will tell you I'm surprised and encouraged that Max Scherzer has gotten this thing figured out right he's obviously mm-hmm. down a little bit on some velocity but man these last couple especially 17 punch outs and one walk over his last two in 14 innings that's really encouraging um, but you're right I think that the bigger issues that's funny the the shortstop stuff here for both teams in New York I mean I don't know what you do now with Francisco Lindor mentioned you know, how bad Volpe has been doing. I'm going to say bad, but just how bad his offense has been. Lindor has been worse. He's had 125 over his last 12, you know, with a 173 on base. That's crazy. And they're already locked into that huge deal. That's, that's a problem. I got to get that thing um, figured out. I think Marte hey, bouncing back CJ, here really is a good thing. Let me tell you, yeah. not to interrupt, but this has been a theme for the last few days, having it out with the fans. You know, some want to give him a free pass and are going to sit here and try to convince you that he's been just as good as he was in Cleveland. I'm like, open your eyes. Even if you didn't see him play there, yeah. this isn't the same player. I'm with you a thousand percent. He's got to be better. They're paying him way too much money. Yeah, it's you know, like again, it's a problem, and um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's the same player in Cleveland. There's been the, the good years, the really good years in Cleveland. They certainly haven't seen that yet in a New York Met uniform. But you know, the pressure was on when they brought him over um, to get that deal done because they didn't want to talk about it, and they did get it done. And I don't know, just you know, you look at what's happened with the rest of the shortstop market, and it was probably a rush. So I don't know what's going on with him and why he's struggling as bad as he is. But they certainly need that too. Um, improve and you know they got some pretty good young players I know Brett Beatty started to slow down here a little bit but Alvarez is an exciting guy and doing some really good things but they need the guys that we thought were going to be really good to, to be good more consistently Mark Cannon's been better lately I've always liked him it was kind of interesting to see him get off to that uh, slow start a little bit but to me that's an important bat him and Marte are pretty important when you talk about what you expected the depth of that lineup to be this year 
Agree a thousand percent. CJ, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for making a couple of minutes here for us on short notice, and uh, we'll catch up again real soon, pal. Thanks as always. All right. Sounds good, Dan. Take care, man. All right. There's CJ Nitkowski, analyst for the Texas Rangers on the TV side, also MLB Network Radio as well. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Mets are going to get underway 9 o'clock tonight down in Atlanta against the Braves. That's what they're targeting as first pitch right now. When we come back, we'll switch gears and get off the baseball and got to talk a little bit of golf. I couldn't believe what the heck happened today with this merger between Liv and the PGA. I'm sure you feel it as well. We'll listen to the principals who will be went into the decision-making on this one as well. Grasses show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yankees right now, I'll tell you. It's turned into the Sebi Zavala game because he's got two home runs, does the White Sox catcher. And it's a 3 nothing Chicago lead right now as they play bottom five out in the Bronx. And as a matter of fact, the Yankees don't even have a hit yet against Lucas Giolito. See what we did, Harvey? We talked about Lucas Giolito at the beginning of the show, about how he's got good stuff. He could be a potential trade target for some team before August 1st that wants to beef up their starting rotation. And what's happening? He's going out there, and he's keeping the Yankees hitless so far. Knowing knowing what, knowing what you just said right there, guess who won't be a Yankee at the end of the trade deadline? Probably. Right. Exactly. Well, you can. I mean, you know why? Because Chicago's going to call up and say, we want Anthony Volpe. And Brian Cashman's going to say, no. No, 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 no. Yes, Giolito hitless through five, five innings so far. Lucas Giolito. We'll keep you posted on that one. Mets and Braves, 9 o'clock is going to be the first pitch right now out in Atlanta. So I was out at Florham Park today for a little Jets OTAs. You know, Aaron Rodgers and his buddies going out there getting ready for the season. And then I saw the news come down about this thing with Live Golf and the PGA Tour and a merger. And I'm like, what? How? Like, I thought I was reading it wrong, or I thought it was like a, a, a fake account or something like that. So you try to make sense of this whole thing, and you try to process it. And I guess the folks that once upon a time, and it wasn't even that long ago either, but the folks that were on their you know moral high ground on the PGA side of things, they could come back down from it now and join the rest of us, right? Because everybody from the PGA Tour that said, thanks but no thanks to Live Golf, and through all the slings and arrows and daggers in their direction, 
and really just absolutely vilified everybody who took the money and took the easy way out and went to live golf. What do you have to say about that now? Right? I mean, what's your explanation for this right now? And apparently, this was done so secretively, this merger, that players, agents of players from both sides, PGA and Live, they had no idea that this was happening. None. And once again, what does it tell you? It reminds me of the old famous saying. And generally, when you play the connect the dots and you try to figure out and, and, and try to look at things rationally as to why things like this transpire, what does it come back to always? Follow the money. Wise man once said, follow the money. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what this is. Right? Essentially, Live Golf, what they did here was they bought out the PGA Tour. That, that's what they did. And the PIF, which, can, which stands for the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, Okay, that's what the PIF is. PGA took the money. Live Golf probably in some way, shape, or form struggled to maybe obtain sponsorship. Not to the extent that the PGA, which is certainly more established, was able to secure. So what did they do? They decided to join forces with PGA and to help their own case because, you know what, they have enough financial backing to be able to make that happen. And by the way, this was also a very important little tidbit right, in the agreement and in the statement that was put out. Very, very important. The agree- And I'm reading from the statement itself. Quote, the agreement ends all pending litigation between parties. So think about that. If you're the PIF and live golf, what do you do because you have the money? Ending all litigation. You essentially just tell the PGA and everybody that wants to throw lawsuits in your way, you say, thanks, but no thanks, this is not happening because we can buy our way out of anything. And the PGA Tour says, sure, they got in line with their two hands out and said, thank you very much. Something that they steadfastly refuted a couple of years ago when this whole thing was taking shape. You know, Liv realized, you know what, we could use a little bit of a boost as far as trying to get some more eyeballs on our events because this isn't really working for us after all. I mean, I don't know about you guys. You could be the biggest golf fan in the world. Somebody somebody tell me right now, do you watch these Live Golf events on the weekends? You know, here in New York, they're on Channel 11. But other than that, like, I, I, there's no promotion whatsoever. The only time I see promotions for it is if I'm watching, like, a Mets game or something on Channel 11. Say, oh, here, Live Golf. And other than that, I have no idea when it's on. You don't hear anything about it. So I think that that's something that they were extremely, extremely conscious of. Extremely. But the question that I have, and there's a lot of questions, but one in particular. How about the guy who runs the PGA, Jay Monahan? Right, because he's the one that has to do some explaining. What does he have to say now? Because last year he was the guy that went all in on attacking the live folks and saying that we're, quote, doing nothing more than sports washing of Saudi Arabia's reputation. That's what they accused him of, right? And everybody principally did. And you know what? He's not wrong. He's not necessarily wrong. Whether it was the 9-11 Families United group or anybody else who was in on this thing here. And Jay Monahan back then, you know, he threw a line out there, which I think made a hell of a lot of sense. Did you ever have to apologize for being on the PGA Tour? Because the players that decided to take the money, even though, you know what? Some folks said, well, it's their lives. They can do whatever they want. 
but it wasn't exactly popular. It wasn't universally well-received, but they're not the only ones either. Because when you look at the money and you look at what the Saudi Arabians and them and what they're doing and what they're being able to build just because of the financial backing that they have. Think about it. They bought a soccer team in the EPL in Newcastle United. Harvey knows this as well as anybody. He's a soccer fan. Newcastle United qualified for the Champions League, Harvey. Did they not? Yes. They did. Right. It's been 20 years. It's been 20 years. And now they play in the Champions League. Or they're playing in the Champions League. They qualified. Cristiano Ronaldo. As celebrated a soccer player as we've had on the planet for the last 20 years. Where did he end up going to play professionally? Over there. Why? Because they paid him a ridiculous amount of money. Kareem Benzema was a guy who just did it. Wasn't they? Didn't they just unveil him today, Harvey? Yeah, he just he played his last game for Real Madrid on Sunday, I believe. And um, see that they just uh, they just had like a farewell video from Real Madrid, I believe, this morning or yesterday morning as well. And now he's getting the riches or taking the riches and going over there and playing. All for the sake of money. All right? So this is nothing new, and it really shouldn't come as much of a big surprise. You know what was funny to me? I don't know if you guys saw this either. I'm going to pull it up here for a second. Chris Murphy, who is a senator out of the state of Connecticut, he tweeted out today, it's so weird. PGA officials were in my office just months ago talking about how the Saudis' human rights record should disqualify them from having a stake in a major American sport. I guess maybe their concerns weren't really about human rights. So many sides look bad on this. So many sides look bad on this. You know, what about, what do you say to, and look, I understand that they make a nice living anyway and they're not going to be hurting for money anytime soon, but what do you say to players like Rory McIlroy, right? Tiger Woods. John Rahm, guy, guys who said, no thanks, we're going to stick it out with the PGA Tour. And they turned down all those wealthy financial overtures and staying with the PGA. Left hundreds of millions of dollars on the table. Now, in retrospect, they look bad because this ended up being the eventual outcome anyways. Everybody's all going to be playing under the same umbrella. They got to feel foolish. Or they're just, like, overly committed to their principles one way after the other. Anyway, let's get the explanation from the guy who runs the PGA. Here's Jay Monahan. Press conference today. This should be fun. When did he know that it was time to merge? As time went on, and, you know, you've heard me say a couple times, circumstances change. You know, I looked at, at where we were at that point in time, and it was the right point in time to have a conversation. They needed to go down their path, and we were going to go down ours. We've done everything we can within our control to improve and grow the PGA Tour. And they've launched Live. They've proceeded with Live. They've made progress with Live. But ultimately, it was looking at the broader picture and saying that I don't think it's right or sustainable to have this tension in our sport. Well, first of all, what's wrong with the PGA Tour? What's wrong with the PGA Tour? You have your events. The majors, remember, you had live players that were able to take part in the major tournaments. And unless you're a diehard golf fan, the casual fan is going to be drawn to the majors. And you're going to still have all of your big-time players taking part in those events anyhow. So what was wrong with the PGA Tour that you had to suddenly fix things so quickly? Okay, and what about those like, I guess you can include me into this category, they're going to sit there and they're going to call 
his organization somewhat hypocritical. I recognize everything that that I've said in the past and in my prior positions. I recognize that people are going to call me a hypocrite. And anytime I've said anything, I said it with the information I had at that moment. And I said I said it based on someone that's trying to compete for the PGA Tour and our players. And so I accept those criticisms. But circumstances do change. And I think that, you know, in looking at the big picture and looking looking at looking at it this way, that's that's what that's what got us to this point. Circumstances, you know what the circumstances that changed was? You finally let it digest that it's an obscene amount of money. That's what changed. But from a principal standpoint, and all those things that you talked about, you know, sports washing of their reputation, for example, and that's the term you keep coming back to. How did that change? What's the matter? You woke up one morning and you had this epiphany and you said, oh, maybe that's not what they're doing. Really? When you were hand-in-hand in lockstep, with the 9-11 Families Organization, and all of a sudden, you just suddenly had this you know, clarity where you say to yourself, no, I think that you know, we got this all wrong. Stop. Stop, stop, stop. And then lastly, what do you say to the guys that I just referenced a couple of minutes ago, whether it's Rory McIlroy and Rahm and all these other guys who stayed committed to the PGA Tour, what about those guys, Jay? I'm confident that the move that they made, they've made the right decision. They've helped re-architect the future of the PGA Tour. They've moved us to a more pro-competitive model. We have significantly invested, as I just talked to Brendan about, in our business in 23. We're going to do so in 24. And as we finalize this process, I think any player that has stayed is going to realize that the money that they're going to make, the strength of this platform, all the things that we talk about are going to put them in a really strong position. They're going to win. They're going to continue to grow. And we're in a control position on their behalf as we move forward in this structure so wait a sec let me get this straight the money is brought up in regards to the players who decided to originally bypass the greater riches and stick it out with the pga tour the money was not a factor at least in his previous answers as to why this partnership was now being made but only in regards to the players who maybe sat this thing out for the greater good initially, now the riches are supposed to all come flowing back to them. Okay. So I'm also supposed to believe, again, that the money has nothing to do with this, at least in terms of what motivated this decision. Okay. I don't, you know, maybe you can help me figure this thing out. You know, I've, I, I, I consider myself fairly intelligent. I'm, I'm having a hard time piecing this all together at least from what Jay Monahan is trying to sell us on. Because, look, unless you're 1,000% naive, what do you really think was the driving force behind all of this? Come on, people. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Get your calls on this. Walt will get into the happenings out at Jet Camp today. OTAs. You hear from the head coach. You hear from a couple of team leaders as well. What about Aaron Rodgers' presence? Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. No. No, 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 no. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. So the Yankees are still getting no hit in the Bronx as we play top seven fast-moving game, as you would expect. 3 nothing Chicago. But Lucas Giolito's coming out of the game. How about that? Six no-hit innings, got three walks, so it's not a perfect game, but he's at 100 pitches already. Chicago's saying enough's enough. Hit the showers. You've done your job. Job well done. That stinks. But if you ask me what this comes down to more than anything else, what have I said on multiple occasions so far already in this show? Chicago's going nowhere this season. They realize that Lucas Giolito is a valuable trade ship for them, especially with performances like this. They want to preserve this guy. They want to quit while they're ahead, and they want to make sure that they can get this guy as close to August 1st as possible and then unload him for some chips they are going to help them down the road. That's all this is. It's making sure that he stays healthy. I hate it, though. I, I, I really and truly hate it. I mean, come on. Yankee Stadium. Guy's nine outs away from a no-hitter. A lineup that doesn't have Aaron Judge, for crying out loud. I mean, you look at the way that the Yankees are attacking the zone tonight and swinging the bats. I mean, there's a chance he might have finished this thing off. Might have made it happen. Well, that's baseball for you. In 2023, what else can you say? Um, Jets had OTAs today. I was out there. Second to last one that they're going to have here this offseason. Friday is the last one. And then think about it. What? Friday's date is 6, 7, 8, the 9th. Then everybody goes their merry way on summer vacation. That's NFL summer vacay. They canceled minicamp next week, which I makes sense. And I think that, that you're going to see that trend probably start to spread a little bit more across the NFL because minicamp and OTAs, they're essentially the same thing. Minicamp has become like a glorified version of OTAs, just with another name. And most teams regard it as mandatory. You have to be there. Where OTAs are voluntary, mandatory minicamp. But over the last few years, like minicamp, you know, it it was generally like a three-day thing. And most clubs are now even canceling that last day. Even Belichick only has his guys go out there for two days. And like, if they do make them report on that third day, they do something fun. Like they go to like top golf or, or something like that. Some team bonding. Maybe they go to the bowling alley. Right. But it's not football. Everything is scaled back. And Robert Sala decided that, you know, we're going to change things up a little bit here because jets got to report to camp a week earlier than everybody else, except the Cleveland Browns. Cause they're playing in the hall of fame game in Canton. So they're going to be in Florham park. Jeez. Like, I think like July, around like July 20th, somewhere around there. So he wants to give his guys as much of a break as possible before you got to hit the ground running at training camp. It'll be here before you know it. That's the crazy part. You know, we're ready a week into June. July will be here soon. And then a couple of weeks after that, you're at camp. And then it's full systems go. And then with a team like the Jets, their expectations are that they're going to be playing football this year into January which makes for a really long run and a really long season. So he's trying to give them as fresh as legs as possible. You hope the players cooperate and go out there and actually use it to their advantage moving forward. But one of the other subjects that came up today, of course, was one of the guys who was still absent, and that's Quinnen Williams. Still does not have that new contract extension, which he so covets. He and the team are working it out. 
But Robert Sala was asked about getting that deal done for one Quinn and Williams. I speak for everyone. I probably speak for Quinn and that we, we all want it to get done uh, sooner rather than later. But I'll, again, I'll let the business guys handle all that stuff. But uh, it's going to get done. He'll be here for camp. He'll be ready to roll. And, uh, and once he is, we'll, he'll be the, I'm, I'm sure he'll be the same guy he was a year ago. I've heard it's close. You know, I've been saying that for weeks. I, I, I've heard it's close. It's only a matter of time. Remember, Quinnen's got a baby on the way, so he's going to be home and, and, and wants to be with his family, you know, for the birth of his first child, which, of course, he's entitled to and you expect him to do that. But he will be on the field in training camp, and, and this thing will be done, and number 95 is going to be on that defensive line, hopefully wreaking havoc like he did last year and for many years to come as a member of the New York Jets. But this culture now, with Aaron Rodgers in the building, Right. The whole word of the championship and the theme of winning a title like that's something that is now coming out of the mouths of people in that building. Is that something that has now kind of taken over things, coach? Everyone talks about it. Everyone, you know, you have long term goals. Um, I think he's the type that has the discipline to bring it back to the moment, though. The reality is, yeah, we all want to win a world championship. You guys all want to be the best in your, your craft. And uh, so we have long term goals. But what are you doing in the interim? What are you doing today to prepare you or to get you moving towards your long term goals? So uh, he's one of those guys that has that discipline. He understands that, yes, this is what I want, but this is what I need to do today. Well, one of the guys who certainly is someone who came from a winning program before he got to the Jets with C.J. Mosley with the Baltimore Ravens and, you know, playoff games, big games. And, you know, the guy is one of the leaders, if not the leader, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And he talked about what it was like having the future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers as part of the team. Oh, yeah, as soon as he got here, you can see it. Um, you know, he, he has so much attention to detail, what he's looking at. Well, I don't want to give things away. He has a lot of attention to details. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and, it's, and it's helping our offense and it's helping our defense every single day. So uh, we, we definitely feel like we're getting better every day. Even today I practiced it. At one point, I felt like we was in a live game. But by the way, we was competing. So it's a lot of fun being out there with him. And, and lastly, CJ also letting everybody know that, you know what? Got a new quarterback. Got a team with a lot of talent on it. We expect to be a team that's looked at as the hunted this year, and we think we're going to have a target on our back. If anything, it's, it's going to put more targets on our back, um, whether it's the disrespect came from you know people chalking up a W when they saw, saw the Jets on the roster, I mean, saw the Jets on the schedule or the history or whatever it was. Um, you know, now we can be, oh, we, we can go sack number eight and you know, embarrass them then. It's, going to, it's just a bigger target on our back, and you know, that's, that's exactly what we want. Uh, we want them to give us, give, want people to give us everything that they have, we want to go into other people's stadium and hear every single thing they have to say so we can shut them up after the game is over. So uh, that's, that's what it's going to take to win the Super Bowl. That's what it's going to take to, to grow as a team, be competitive, and uh, be able to win these tough games that we have coming in the future. One thing this team does not lack or does not lack at this point is confidence. Now, that doesn't do you any good during the week. you got to go out there on the field on Sundays and prove it and get it done. But one guy directly responsible of that certainly is this quarterback, number eight, and what he's come in and what he's instilled in a lot of these guys. But you still have to go out there and prove it, though. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Derek Ross's show, till 10 on this Tuesday, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Lucas Giolito getting pulled from this game with a no-hitter at 100 pitches. I, I mean, like I said, guys, 
look no further than the fact the Chicago White Sox are nine games under 500. They don't look like a postseason team in any way, shape, or form. Giolito's not going to do them any good by being on this roster till the end of the season. He's a free agent when it's done. If they want him back, they could sign him again in the offseason. But in the meantime, he's going to get traded by August 1st, unless the White Sox make a dramatic turnaround. They're trying to protect the arm. Nothing more, nothing less. But I just don't like it, you know. It's not the baseball I grew up with. Let's say hi to Jose in Brooklyn, up next year on 98.7. Jose, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Mr. Graza. I'm doing very well today. Haven't um, wasn't able to call in yesterday because I, you know, I, you know, sometimes you have a job and you know you have to make deadlines and everything. And but Jose, you know how that Jose, works. Jose, <laughs> and you know that I love you. Okay, but yeah. this show has got to be the priority. Oh, you know what? That is so true. Thank you. This show's got to be the priority. And I'll tell you what, if you're if your boss, your supervisor, your superior, whatever at the workplace, if he's got a problem with it, then you put him on the phone with me and we'll straighten him out. It's as simple as that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that works I got out. You, back. Um, you know that. There's two, two very high powering, domineering women. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see we'll see but um uh, uh, i i just definitely and um def i definitely expect you to um throw out the sledgehammer hammer to harvey tonight or with the red bulls because it wasn't wasn't a great great luck oh, I, I, you know what it, jose the red bull stuff it's it's too easy it's too <laughs> easy a target that's the problem it's almost like we have to pick and choose our spots you know we talk oh, about okay. it on saturdays because that that's game day generally but to sit here and then look back and say, oh, the Red Bulls lost again on Saturday. Well, we know that they lost. More often than not, they're going to lose, you know? <laughs> that is true. And to my main point of why I called in, because, yeah. you know, I definitely wanted to hear your points on the OTAs, because you, you said you've been out there and um, you've been pretty much um, giving us some insight. I'm, I, I'm kind of, as a fan, I'm kind of getting into that point of, you know, that delusional talk, because... I do think that uh, that the Jets can be poised for a big year. Not saying that the conference doesn't have its heavyweights, because you know how I feel about Patrick Mahomes. I always felt like, even with Todd Bowles and the horribleness of Mike McCagden, they still should have drafted him. Um, but that you know that's neither here nor there. Long time ago, but um, I, I still think that with uh, with a person like getting uh, Aaron Rodgers, who I do feel like. You know, from all intents and purposes, he could have a very good year. This could be a a a a, a season where we, we 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 could make that run. And I don't, you know, I don't think it's you know out of the stretch of the possibility. But I do know that there are a lot of obstacles. I'm not I'm not saying it's going to end this way, Jose. But if you want to go by recent history, okay, Tom Brady, long time in one place. Change of scenery. Goes to Tampa Bay. We know how that ended in year one. Mm -hmm. Matthew Stafford, long time in one place with Detroit. Change of scenery. Goes to the L.A. Rams. We know how that ended after year number one. Not saying history is going to repeat itself, but like I said, there is precedent, and certainly Rodgers is as capable a quarterback as those other two gentlemen are to where you would think that maybe, just maybe, the Jets can have an uptick in results this year, and that's what they're banking on. Oh, definitely. And thank you for taking my call, and I hope you have a great evening. Jose, you'll be good, my friend. There's Jose in Brooklyn. Um, 
hey, I mean, that's what the Jets are banking on. That's why they gave up everything they gave up. That's why they waited this thing out. That's why they're going to pay Rodgers, whatever it is they're going to pay. I mean, he's getting paid a lot of money. I mean, they're going to configure the contract to where it's going to fit the salary cap and it's going to be the most appealing to them. But Rodgers is still getting his cash. And the fact that Rodgers has been there from the moment this trade was announced. And the minute he reported that day to Florham Park and they had the press conference right before the draft, he, he's been there every day bonding with his teammates, whether it's at the facility, away from the facility. He is fully invested, which is everything you could hope for from a guy who's going to a new team and helping with the install of a new offense in particular. All right, 800-919-3776. One more hour to play with. A lot of stuff we've thrown out there already tonight. We'll take your calls when we return as well. We'll have some thoughts, too, on the NBA Finals and all-important game number three coming up tomorrow as well. Dan Grasso Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>